Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I saw Mikey kissing Mrs. Claus underneath the mistletoe last night. She didn't see him go out the window to the snow. He bailed again like goats of Christmas past from long ago. And Paige and Todd are gonna Just like chestnuts on your open fire So here's the friends you know Romancing in the pod show Mikey kissing Mrs. Claus last night Thank you for tuning into Romancing the Pod. You had us at Hello, I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. I'm Todd Schlosser, and joining us this week is... Natalie Renee Kirk. Yay! Yay! <laughs> to steal the cult podcast <laughs> intro. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we watched Love, Love Actually. Actually. Yes. Now, I picked this movie because it's something that Natalie and I watch every Christmas, and I find it. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Okay. How many years have you guys been together? Okay, that's fair. Is this our third Christmas? This is our third Christmas. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. enough to be every. It's more than two. Yeah, yeah. Mikey, rude. But we have watched it every Christmas. It's like a tradition, right? But mm-hmm. I will openly admit that there are parts of this movie that I actively hate. Oh, ditto. But I always cry at the end. <laughs> well, at the end of certain parts. Yeah. Because like there's several endings for several different scenarios. <laughs> yeah, because there are a lot of movies taking place in this one movie. Yeah, and they could have narrowed it to like two of the stories in one movie, and I would have been so happy. Yeah, that is my biggest criticism of this movie. Yeah. I mean, there's a I have a lot of criticism of this movie, <laughs> but that's the biggest one. <laughs> so, Paige, had you seen this before? Yes, I have seen this movie before, and the first time I saw it, I disliked it so much instantly (laughs) that I avoided watching it for years afterwards until last night (laughs) my yeah my biggest frustration with this movie it has upwards of six different storylines yeah none of them get enough time nope the combination of all of them into this movie literally does every single story in the movie a disservice It, it doesn't benefit any single story no character gets enough characterization and some of the stories are just actively badly written Mm -hmm. and so there's only a handful of things I enjoy in this movie (laughs) and on the whole I dislike it a lot and a bunch of other movies got made like this movie because this movie did so well and all of those movies are also trash they're just somehow more trash than this movie I hate this movie what are the other movies (laughs) Valentine's Valentine's Day Day, New Year's Eve 
Oh, yeah. Those movies are terrible. I love that you both went to Valentine's Day first. <laughs> it was so bad. They also did one called Mother's Day as well. Oh, my God. Why? Mikey has a type, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mikey, was this the first time you'd seen this movie? Uh, I've seen this movie a good bit. This is a lot of... I I don't actively hate this movie, but it's like, it's okay. Um, a lot of people I know love this movie, so around the holidays, someone is going to force me to watch this. Uh, <laughs> I'm so glad that was me this year. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have fun watching it just because it's like, some of the storylines are like decent romantic comedy kind of things, and yeah. some of them are like really creepy and weird. And yeah. I, I mean, there is one serial killer in this movie. We will talk about him. <laughs> oh yeah yeah yes i had forgotten how creepy he is in this movie and he's also a terrible actor but horrible we'll, we'll get into it wait which was the serial killer well we'll get into it yeah we'll get into it what would be really funny is if we're thinking of two different serial oh killers. my god okay <laughs> no one say it until they first come on screen and then yeah, we'll yeah, talk yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah perfect I, I love this already it's the it's the who's the serial killer episode on romantic the it? pod <laughs> so natalie when was the first time you saw this movie what year did it come out 2003 like it was a while after that and did you love it the first time you saw it i didn't love it the first time i saw it there were aspects of it that i really liked there were some actors in it that i loved and i loved their parts of it but i spent the rest of it super frustrated about <laughs> about certain things yeah i don't see how you people can cry in this movie i don't think you spend enough time with these people to cry for them that's kind of how i feel towards the end there are a couple moments earlier in the movie where i get a little sad and then there's one person i legitimately feel sad for but other than that I think you're absolutely right I don't think anyone's story is complete enough for me to have a true emotional reaction or connection to them I don't think you can watch Emma Thompson in anything and not feel oh, exactly what emotion that, she's that's feeling. the one and that's the dude, one that makes me cry. I cry for her yeah. every one. time Ugh. this movie yeah so like it's, it, so it's good. and I also like love Colin Firth even though he's like a big <laughs> goober in so this cute. movie. But let's just get into the fucking movie because we'll talk through all of this and we'll reveal who the serial killers are. Yes, <laughs> or is is uh, we <laughs> open on an airport specifically the arrivals gate at Heathrow where we see a bunch of people coming home and meeting their loved ones and this is paired with a voiceover by I believe it's Hugh Grant. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. That's basically saying whenever I get sad about what's going on in the world, I think about the arrivals gate at the airport where everyone's coming home to someone they love. When you think about it, love is everywhere and it's a real trite way to say almost nothing. <laughs> and so, I just... Fun fact about that speech though, Paige, is in the book of this movie, it is his prime minister acceptance speech when he just got elected. I don't think so. I don't think that's true. Do you think they made a book of this movie, Mikey? <laughs> I don't know. It's one of those things where it's a nice sentiment, but it ultimately is kind of empty. Well, they just had to work in the title to it so they could do the title card. Yeah. It's not a real great speech, no. No, I mean, I think it's a good speech for this movie. It's like, hey, do you want to get like four second glances at people's lives that make you like feel things or try to? It's like the Hallmark card of movie openings. It's like basically like let's people watch at an airport and then like this is the movie version of that. But I guess my frustration with it is like this movie seeks to like, hey, we're going to display love in all of its forms. And what we get are half-assed premises and unresolved storylines in all its forms and it's infuriating to watch what's more love than that that's true though that's true you could pick any number of these stories and make a full movie out of it if you just took the time to do it oh i'm and with instead you. we have a million things where no one took the time to do it and so we just have half 
movies. Mm-hmm. Why? I would fully watch Hugh Grant and Natalie's yes. story as a full-on movie. Yeah. I would watch that as a whole movie. I would watch uh, what we get as our first scene, which is Bill Nye and his yes. manager, where he's yeah. like a retired rocker. He's my favorite character in this movie. Me too. He's so good. He, he's so he's the one that I, I, this is the like one thing in the movie that whenever he's on screen, I'm enjoying yes. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the movie is a toss up for Paige, me. He <laughs> ends up naked at the end of this movie, gyrating with it. only a guitar to protect his nakedness from a 10 year old who's trying to kiss someone leaving on an airplane. He said he would. And I love it because he beats those teenagers by having an attitude that's basically, hey, fuck teenagers, right? Like, yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Aren't they the worst? He's like, I know this song is trash, but what if we stuck it to those young ones? <laughs> like, it's <laughs> ridiculous. And I do love their romantic comedy that happens in this movie. I do too. I think it's really funny. I, like, this is oddly enough, the most funny fleshed out story in this film. I think so too. <laughs> we learn the most about him. Yeah. We kind of figure out the most of their relationship, even though we see them arguably one of the least, like mm-hmm. they're, I think, if you had to rank the stories based on who gets the most screen time, they're like third or fourth down. They're not getting the most screen time, and yet we learn the most about them. There is one portion of this movie where we go an hour and a half without seeing six of the main characters. Yeah. Six. It's like they just fucking forgot that they were in the movie, and in fact, two of their storylines never get resolved. Fuck this movie. <laughs> it's infuriating. I hate it so much. I love how you're saying fuck this movie and we're in the opening credits. I know. Okay. So anyway, so he's like a, a weird mix of Phil Collins and David Bowie and he's <laughs> recording a Christmas song. This Christmas song is terrible. It's literally they just took the Trogs Love is All Around and just changed love to Christmas. <laughs> yeah. The lack of effort is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I think good. that it fits the story very well. Like, that's the point of yes. his storyline, right? Mm-hmm. While he's recording in the studio in this scene, he turns to the manager and he's like, this is total shit, right? And they're yeah. like, yeah. Solid gold shit. <laughs> I don't know his manager's name because he always refers to him as my fat manager. Or the ugliest man in the world. Yeah, the ugliest man alive. Thank you, Natalie. Yeah. I do love that the second engineer, who is the guy in the room but not at the recording station, is fully just reading the newspaper and not paying attention to what's going on. And I've been (laughs) in a lot of studios where exactly that was happening, and that made me laugh. So after we come out of the recording studio scene, we get a title card that says Five Weeks to Christmas. Yeah. Which the idea that you would be recording and releasing a Christmas song in November is nuts like you would be recording that in july (laughs) like so we cut next to colin firth who is running late trying to get out of the house he's kissing his wife goodbye he seems very attentive and very sweet he is very in love with her i think it's just girlfriend right i think it's just girlfriend is it i think it's just girlfriend i thought it was wife we don't see him go through a divorce but i don't know they they yada yada through so much shit in this movie i would not surprise me if it was his wife but i got girlfriend too we by the way don't even get her name no <laughs> that's how little this movie cares about its own characters she's cheating on him with his brother so we find out a couple scenes later yeah so like i don't really care about her name yeah. <laughs> but if you want a name let's call her crystal 
<laughs> we cut next to Liam Neeson sitting at his desk. Uh, he dials a phone. Emma Thompson picks up. And he basically is like, hey, it's me again. I'm sorry. I don't have anyone to talk to. Basically, we find out that his wife has died. We find out because Emma Thompson says, I can't talk about this right now because she's got kids and she's got to do something. But yeah, she's like, and I, I fully say that recognizing your wife just died. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so sorry, but I can't talk right now. Can I call you back? Yes. How did they know each other? They were just friends? They're brother and sister, I believe. Nope. She, her brother is the prime minister. By the way, everyone in this movie is connected and it never explains how most of them are connected because Colin Firth also knows Kira Knightley and Chiwetel Ejiofor. We have no idea how they know each other. And we have no idea why Laura Linney is at that wedding either. Yeah. We don't know any of it because no one took the time to even give this script a proofread. <laughs> but this is the same scene where we find out that Emma Thompson's daughter is the first lobster in the yes. nativity. There was more than one lobster at the birth of Jesus. And we will find out later that somebody else is an octopus. I thought the whale was the best. The whale was really pretty funny. <laughs> then we cut to Laura Linney's office, which is also Alan Rickman's office. And he's her boss. Yeah. We see Colin passing out food to people in the office so he's kind of like the office like lunch delivery dude but he's literally hitting on every single person he talks to he's legitimately a total creep like if i was a girl who worked in this office and a dude just constantly hit on me every day it would get old immediately oh yeah be calling hr there are so <laughs> many things i would call hr on for this office place. Oh yeah <laughs> this office is like because i was like sitting there last night watching this movie and i was like wow i can't imagine as a boss me going to someone and being like saying some of this stuff oh you wouldn't sit one of your employees down and be like hey for christmas maybe you should get laid yeah maybe you should fuck this other co-worker <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. and like, also and also we're gonna have our christmas party in a room full of porn yeah and we're gonna get trashed yeah. and i am going to dance hump my secretary in front of my wife and everyone's just supposed to be okay with it i don't know it's a different culture man i don't know i don't judge <sighs> oh my god i love the scene where he's like hey you you know we all know you're in love with uh so-and-so from art the, the art department she's like what everyone yeah, we really want you to try to fuck him for Christmas. Like, we all came together and talked about it. Wildly inappropriate. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> the only thing that would make it more inappropriate is if he was like, hey, and if you do it by this date, I win the office pool and I'll split the money with you. So that made me think that they were like friends before she was his employee. Yeah. Anyway, after we get through the office creep passing out sandwiches, we cut to Bilbo Baggins humping a lady on the nicest porn set I've ever seen. Right? It's so high class. <laughs> I know. It's beautiful. It's like a mansion. It's not a porn set. They're like body doubles for like famous people. No. Like, but they're only sex doubles. It's a they're porn set. They're stand-ins for porn For porn. Actors. Which, by the way, not a thing. Doesn't exist. No, it's not porn actors because he mentions real actors. He mentions like real real world actors when he's like, I stood in for this. Yeah, they, they've stood in for other stuff. But it's porn. Yeah, it's like he's been a stand-in for other people. Yeah. But the job that they're on right now they're only there for sex scenes. They are porn stand-ins. Yeah. That's right. their plot in this movie. But it could be sex scenes in, in mainstream movies because they're talking about we don't want to see the nipples in this placement But or then they would be in other scenes in that movie and they have her cheat the nipples towards the camera. Yeah. Not away from the camera. 
It's towards the camera. That's why they're checking the light on the nipples. They would never have stand-ins actually get naked. That's what was crazy to me. I was like, stand-ins would just stand there. They wouldn't make them get naked. That's insane. Honestly, on a porn set, there wouldn't be stand-ins. Exactly. (laughs) Filming doesn't even go on that long. (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous. (laughs) The fun part about this scene is that they're in what seems to be a very sexually compromising position. They're just having a very bland conversation. They're literally talking about the traffic coming in yeah we find out their names are jack and judy yeah it would make more sense if they were actually porn actors who are really timid offset and be funnier that actually you are absolutely correct that would be funnier i would much rather watch this story with them as porn actors that have sex with each other all the time and then have to learn to get to know each other outside of that. Right. Like a very emotionally shy, but like. Yes. <laughs> like, would you Let's write that movie. Yeah, anyway. That yes. That does sound very fun. It's sort of like Zach and Mary make a porno, but it starts with porn and then backs away <laughs> from it slowly. We cut next to, I think his name is Mark. I just, in my notes, have Rick the whole way through, but Rick <laughs> and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Uh, who are at Chiwetel Ejiofor's wedding and they're talking about the bachelor party from the night before where there were sex workers of various genders. Yep. We don't find out anything else about that, but we do find out that he's getting married to Kira Knightley. Yeah. So we cut to Hugh Grant arriving at 10 Downing where the prime minister lives. And he walks into the house where we find out that he is the newly elected prime minister. He's meeting his household staff. They introduce him to Terrence, Pat, and then finally Natalie. I love how he introduces himself. Immediately, you know, he's awkward because he meets Terrence and he said, I had an uncle named Terrence. I hated him. Pretty sure he was a pervert. I'm sure you're not. Like, what, what are, yeah, what are yeah, you yeah. saying? <laughs> Shut up. Like, just say, it's nice to meet you and move on to the next one. Yes. Natalie is not very proper in this scene. No, I sort of love their meet cute. It's so cute. It's not super meet cute since she's an employee. Yeah, she's an employee and we <laughs> we instantly see that he is attracted to her, but is very yeah. respectful about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. If I had to pull one of these stories out to watch as a full movie that yes. was way more fleshed out, that's the one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's what I've always said. <laughs> and I think there are things within it that they should take further that they yes, don't in this absolutely. movie. They walk into the main room and his, I think it's his personal assistant uh, who basically says I'll go get my things and then let's fix the country yeah Uh, and he goes into his office alone and closes the door and just says oh no that is so inconvenient yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. which it's implied that he is attracted to Natalie and that's what's inconvenient and he is a single prime minister we cut to Peter and Juliet's wedding uh, which is Chiwetel Ejiofor and Kira Knightley at this point in my notes, I just say, why is she getting married in a cardigan? <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that too. So like, you've got me on this wedding dress thing. Every time I see one now, Yeah, like, you've got to notice it. I was like, that wedding dress is hideous. Her <laughs> clothing choices throughout the film are very odd. They're very trendy for the time, and that's yeah. the problem. Mm-hmm. Where everyone else in this movie dresses normal, and then she dresses like the height of fashion for the day, which now <laughs> looks insane. <laughs> so that sweater has so many holes in it like why it's so bonkers i don't know why she's wearing it i fully <laughs> hate her story and it's really because mark yeah but i fully yeah. hate mark's story so so much i wish this whole thing was not in this movie 
Oh, he's definitely one of the serial killers. He is the serial killer. Yeah. Yes. That was my suspicion as well. He's going to be wearing her skin, except that they never resolved their storyline. Nope. He said that's enough. He whispered it to himself before he killed her. Mikey is right. We are three and a half months away from Kira Knightley's murder, and no one's talking about <laughs> it in this movie. So we've got Peter and Juliet's wedding. Colin Firth's there. Laura Linney's there. Uh, there's a great choir, which is amazing. But they start singing at the worst time. Like, it's at the end of the wedding. They should fully be leaving to get into a car to go to the reception, and they're stopped by a choir. Yeah, well, and they're stopped as they're walking back down the aisle, so they're just kind of standing in the middle of the aisle. Yeah, it's horribly awkward. And then their friends start playing full brass instruments. Yeah. I thought it was cute. I thought it was cute, too, Mikey. It's, it's <laughs> cute, although what we kind of figure out or realize as the movie goes on is that Mark essentially organized all of this. He went over and above for their wedding and putting all of it together yeah. for her. Mm -hmm. That's why he did it. And he doesn't even really know her because they don't it's really gross. talk. Yeah. He is 27 dresses level. It's bad. Yes. He's a self-sabotager for sure. So is Laura Linney, by the way. There's multiple 27 dresses people in this movie. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. But he's never talked to her, really. He's avoided her. That's like a plot point in the movie is he's avoided her. He's not really been nice to her. He fully does not love Kira Knightley. He is obsessed right. with her, but he he's does not the love idea her. Of but Kira the movie Knightley. plays it like he loves her. Yeah. And that's what I don't like about it. Yeah, agreed. So Colin Firth comes home from the wedding in between the wedding and the reception to find his brother having oh. sex with his girlfriend, wife. We don't know. We never got that information. Right. Uh, we then cut to the reception where Colin, the guy who was passing out the sandwiches and flirting at the office, is now a terrible catering waiter yeah. <laughs> at this wedding. This is the best joke of the movie where he offers. He's like, he's like, you want some of this crap? I can't yeah. believe someone would cater it. Looks like baby fingers. And she was like, I'm the caterer. And he's like. Oh, I'm glad you turned down when they asked you to cater this. And she's like, I didn't. He's like, yeah. all right, well, I'm going to go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but this is where, as he walks into the back to talk to his friend, this is where he basically gives his thesis statement for the movie, which is UK girls are stuck up. US girls are nicer and prettier. So I'm just going to go to America. And they're obsessed with our accents. Game for a laugh. I mean. It's kind of true. I mean, he's not saying factually incorrect things. No, I know a lot of girls who would date a guy just because they had a British accent. Yeah, I think the movie, it portrays him as being right. Like, And here's the thing. like, Yes, there are absolutely girls who would date a guy just for his accent. But I think the thing that this character is not understanding is that the thing that is driving women in the UK away from him is he has a horrible personality. Yeah. It's him. Gross. It's <laughs> him. Like, he's really unpleasant to be around. He's creepy. He's creepy, and he, he exercises no real character growth and is rewarded with a literal orgy with some of the hottest actresses at the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's nuts. <laughs> like being a complete douche. He fully has sex with Mrs. Draper before they got married. Yes, it's January Jones, <laughs> Betty Draper, but it's also Alicia Cuthbert, the girl mm -hmm. next door. Yeah. And Shannon Elizabeth. And Shannon Elizabeth. And Denise Richards. Yes, it's and Denise everybody. Richards. It's literally everybody. But let's be let's be honest, none of that happened. He fell on his way to get on the airplane, and we are witnessing his head injury play out. Kind of like a Jacob Ladder scenario. It is a Jacob Ladder situation, yeah. So he's dying on his way to the hospital, and this is what he's fantasizing about as he slips into death. 
okay I'll, I'll accept that that yeah. makes me happier that he is not victimizing women <laughs> right <laughs> i do want to tell a funny story that happened to me about accents and, and mikey please do okay in college we used to go camping every october and we went camping this one time and then the campsite next to us was rented by a bus full of young people touring america from europe yeah <laughs> <laughs> i love where this is going <laughs> yeah we ended up drinking um, all night with these students, and I ended up falling in love, basically, wow. with this. Okay, falling in love is strong, Mikey. <laughs> How about strong I ended word. up strongly attracted to... I had strong to... feelings for this Scottish last name, uh, Nicola. When you say students, can I get an age range, Mikey? I was probably 19 or 20, and they were probably 20 to 22. Okay, okay. good. I'm comfortable yeah. with like, this story. Again, I was please continue. Young. Anyway, we ended up drinking all night with these people, and we did the whole thing like that bar scene where they're like, "What? What word does this mean?" And like, "What do you call this over there?" And like, I was doing that to them. And anyway, I thought I had no shot with this girl, but she was like, "She's like, okay, I'm gonna go to sleep." And I was like, oh, "Okay, good night." And she was like, "Mikey, I just want you to know that I love you the most." And she ended up like kissing me and like making out oh for my- like 30 seconds in oh front of everyone at the fire and my roommate Brent took a picture of it happening and I have the picture we need to post this to social that I am willing to share with the, with the group here oh my yes, God. Find it. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes 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 it is so funny because I look shocked college Michael was not expecting it <laughs> what did she have red hair Mikey Oh yeah, we we yeah, ended up like being pen pals for like a couple of years. Uh, God damn it, Mikey! I'm so us. proud of you right now. <laughs> it was great. A Scottish lasses will you know? I know. Anyway, she's my lost love, and like if you're out there, please hit me up. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey is looking, ladies. <laughs> All right, thanks for letting me tell that story. But I, she had the best accent. I would just stare over the fire. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in love with you. And she's like, Shut up. Okay, not to give you guys a little too much information, but Natalie can do some amazing accents, and I will just be like, hey, can you do an accent? You'll ask me to do an yeah. accent, and I will just do it. It's impressive. She can do any accent. It's insane. I can do an appropriation of any accent. Yeah. It takes time to get it good. I mean, it's not like a sexual thing, Mikey. I can see what you're thinking. It's not that. Yeah, no, it's definitely. <laughs> like, why else would you do it? <laughs> to imitate it. Mike Myers' mom in So I Married an Axe Murderer, clearly that's the main reason to do it. <laughs> we cut to Judy and Jack where she has to get topless. They're checking the light off her breasts. <laughs> Mikey, you know that line where you're like, hey, I'm a lighting technician. I need you to take your top off and so I can check the light in the room. It always yeah. works. Uh, and then, well, and then they're like, put your hands on, on her breasts, yeah, massage, massage them. Like, it's completely unnecessary. Yeah. But he does it. I like that he warms his hands up first. Yes. Uh, Bilbo Baggins is so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> The very next scene, we cut to Liam Neeson giving the eulogy for his wife, oh, which is very so sad, sad. And she requested that they play the Bay City Rollers, Bye Bye Baby. Bay City Rollers also made a appearance in our So You Married an Axe Murderer uh, yes. episode, too, right? Mm-hmm. Then we cut back to the wedding, which diegetically, it seems like, is playing the same song, which is such a <laughs> weird song to play at a wedding. But this is where Laura Linney and Mark are talking 
talking. Yeah. And she asks him if he's in love with Chiwetel Ejiofor or Peter, I guess. And um, he's like, no. And she doesn't follow it up with like, so it's Kira Knightley then? Because that's the answer. Right. <laughs> they agree that the DJ is super bad. And then they basically say that the next song will determine how bad it is. And he plays Puppy Love. <laughs> the dialogue so- is so bad here, too. Yes. Like, I was like, oh, God, this is like bad scenes I had to do in middle school drama club. It was bad dialogue. (laughs) Yeah. So the very next scene is Alan Rickman and his secretary, who we kind of met because Colin tried to hit on her uh, and she gave him just like a death stare. Yeah. She's not into dudes who aren't 20 years older than her. So no thanks, Colin. (laughs) I couldn't figure out if she's genuinely attracted to Alan Rickman or it's just a power thing. I I really couldn't figure her motivation out. Me either. I thought it was money. Like I kept asking, is it money? Like is it because he's he's the owner of this company or like what is it? Because she's like asking for gifts and it's it's nebulous because they don't seem to really talk that much. It seems to happen literally in the span of a couple days, which is really weird. Anyway, but this is where he brings Laura Linney into his office and addresses uh, that she's been in love with Carl, the chief designer, and everyone knows and it's time to do something about it. He basically is like, for all of our sakes, it's Christmas. So he basically implies like, everyone knows, including the guy, and we're just waiting on you, so could you hurry it up? (laughs) Which is mad inappropriate. Yes. It is mad inappropriate. But as a supervisor, it's something you want to do in your heart, but you never do. Because oh, it's like, I know sure. which of my staff have like crushes on other pieces of my staff. And I'm like, yeah. I wonder if they'll ever make a move. And then I'll just like stare at them. And I'm like, they would be a cute couple. But mm-hmm. I just know for a fact Mikey's boss is saying that stuff about him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, they're like, you're a disaster. They're like, <laughs> um, but at the very end of the scene, Carl, the designer they're talking about, walks in and it's played by Rodrigo Santoro. Who is gorgeous. He is yes. gorgeous. And yes. way younger than Laura Linney, it looked like in this film. I don't think they're actually that disparate in age. I think he just has really great skin. <laughs> <laughs> he also has a little bit of a baby face, too. Like, he yeah. just looks youngish. But if he knew she was into him and he hadn't made a move, you need to just, like, it's time to move. Move on. Yeah. I honestly felt like, so he's like the art director, right? Yeah. And I just feel like he is sort of very shy and reserved. And that's why I feel like Alan Rickman's character was giving her the counsel of, if someone's going to make a move, it's going to be you. Do it now. Yeah. You know, because he's not. He's too shy and reserved and gorgeous. And gorgeous. We cut to (laughs) Billy Mack uh, with the Christmas album and he's doing an interview and it's great where he basically is like well i'm alone at christmas because when i was young and successful i was selfish and they were like okay uh who was the best in bed and he was like britney spears just kidding she was terrible she was terrible (laughs) yeah she was rubbish (laughs) uh like how do you think the new record compares to your old stuff oh it's crap like this record's (laughs) bad i fucked britney spears i haven't done drugs in a while but i'm still kind of a wild card and wouldn't it be great if I got number one instead of those stupid teenagers? If you believe in Christmas, buy my festering turd of a record. <laughs> <laughs> is what he ends the 
<laughs> this storyline is the shining beacon of light for me in this movie. This and the Prime Minister are the mm. only two where I'm yes. like, Amen. I want more. Could leave the rest of it behind. Honestly, if this movie was just the Prime Minister and Natalie story and Billy Mack and his manager story, and at the end of the movie, the only connection is that like the Prime Minister gives the award for whatever the number one or right. whatever. Like it doesn't it doesn't matter, you know, but they, they meet because of that. That would be enough for me. I would love this movie if it was just that. I kind of agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some things I don't love about the Prime Minister story. Well, yeah, because they fat shame Natalie like all the time. All the time. And, you know, here's the thing. Again, you shouldn't fat shame anybody. Uh, yeah, but right. also she is an average sized woman. Yeah, <laughs> it's infuriating that they're weird about it. And she's got a banging figure. She's gorgeous. That's the type of stuff that screwed me up as a kid. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. oh my god, she's fat oh my god i'm so fat yeah, what am i like, gonna do i know yeah. i'm like this is terrible yeah but yeah that's that's the type of stuff that we grew up with that it was totally fine to fat shame people it was right. ridiculous it is ridiculous it's that that makes this movie feel like it's fully 17 years old like it actually is you absolutely know? yeah well this next scene is kind of interesting as well because so this is a british movie and it's not super kind to americans just in general in no. the movie and i get it i've met us but like yeah. This is the scene where uh, the president is visiting and or I'm sorry, this is the, the meeting where they're preparing for the president to yes. visit. And they're talking to Hugh Grant about how they're basically like, we don't want to get bullied by Americans like we have to take a stand. And he agrees and then just says, well, who do you have to screw to get tea and a biscuit around here? Spoiler alert, it's Natalie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> She's the arbiter of biscuits. The arbiter of biscuits. It's that way in our house, too. It is. <laughs> no she joke, when we were watching this movie, she was handing me cookies. Yummy. <laughs> she brings him, him tea and biscuits. And she does at one point mention that he likes the fun ones with the chocolate on them. And the previous prime minister didn't. I thought she said, I'm glad you won. Not that it would have been bad with the other guy. I just would have given him the boring biscuits without the chocolate. Maybe, yeah. maybe I miss her. Oh, yeah, it. that's what I thought he said. I thought it was more of a flirty comment. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> because I want you to chocolate my biscuit. Dip my biscuit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Paige is still confused as to whether what I said was a good good thing or not <laughs> i mean to each their own in this scene we kind of again get it an indication that he's super into her yeah we cut back to bilbo and judy now it's like a full-blown sex scene and they're just like chit-chatting in the middle of it which is pretty <laughs> and funny. his head is like bobbing up and down <laughs> yeah, oh yeah what uh, like, is this the scene where she's riding him and yes. he's head banging yeah 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 <laughs> i was like i was like who what guy moves his head like that when he's on the bottom like <laughs> a guy who's trying to to get the ring to Mordor. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I realized that that character was a virgin because he has no idea what sex actually is. Absolutely. But who does? He li literally foreheads her tit in this scene. He does. Yeah. He does. He foreheads her tit. <laughs> what a phrase. <laughs> who hasn't foreheaded a tit? I mean, I have, but it's like accidental and not during sex. <laughs> <laughs> That makes Mikey. less sense, Mikey. <laughs> you ever just run into somebody like with your head? How tall were they? <laughs> <laughs> <There it is. laughs> I was like, like they had clothes on, but I <laughs> run into some people. I run into people by you know their boobs or whatever. You ever bump into a giant, Mikey? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, God. I have. So uh, we cut to Colin and his friend, and Colin reveals that he is going to America to beautiful, sunny, tropical Wisconsin. Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and he reiterates the that the U.S. has pretty girls in the U.K., which is nonsense. And he cl- basically compares himself to I'm Prince William without the weird family. <laughs> so we cut back to Alan Rickman's office where he's giving notes to his secretary about the Christmas party. And he's basically saying invite wives and girlf- girlfriends, no children. And then he asks, he's like, you've probably got some like boyfriend that you're bringing. And she's like, no, actually single. Yeah, because she's a homewrecker, Paige. I know. I don't like her. I'll just be hanging out under the mistletoe waiting to be kissed, is what she says. She's the worst. So we cut to Liam Neeson and Emma Thompson. They come back to his house after the funeral, and they reveal that his son won't leave his room. Uh, And, I mean, his son just lost his mom. This is also where we find out that Liam Neeson is actually his stepfather. Right? I thought that was sort of crazy, and I don't know why, but even more sad because for that boy. Because, I mean, he clearly would be with the dad if the dad was still around. So the dad's either also dead or out of the picture, right? Well, both his mom and dad met. At a uh, asbestos plant. Asbestos plant? (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, wow. They were at an asbestos eating contest. (laughs) uh, And they fell in love and had him. And then, you know. They actually immigrated to England from Chernobyl. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, what we find out basically because he's the stepfather and he has custody. Yes. And again, things might be different in the UK, so I don't know. But that would mean likely both parents are dead yeah or the father is unknown but then also all the grandparents are dead yeah yeah like that kid is alone in the world and i I mean liam neeson seems to be a great dad and stuff like i'm not saying that but like that would be really sad for that son so he's the stepfather now he's this child's only guardian yeah and they're both having a really tough time and (laughs) emma thompson just says because liam neeson starts crying because he feels bad for the kid and he misses his wife it's really sad Uh, and then emma thompson just says no one's ever gonna shag you if you cry all the time (laughs) (laughs) we still don't super know how they know each other i do think the best explanation is that their kids go to the same school but other than that we don't have any other info so we cut to liam neeson's trying to talk to his son uh and his son's basically like well if you really want to know what's going wrong you can't do anything about it but like i'll tell you i'm in love And I should be thinking about mom, but there's nothing I can do because I'm in love with this other girl. It's basically agony because she doesn't know who I am. Uh, We cut to Laura Linney, who's putting makeup on at her desk. And Rodrigo Santoro is leaving for the night. Uh, He says goodnight and she chickens out and her phone rings. Yeah, this is where we see a picture of her brother who uh, is, I don't know if you guys know this, but Dave Matthews. Well, he looks more like if Dave Matthews and John Cusack had a baby. A little bit. No, no, no. More like if Dave Matthews <laughs> ate John Cusack there and then never go. did any yeah. cardio. Yeah. <laughs> and I hate to make that joke because that's one out of a hundred fat shamey jokes that get made in this movie. Um, but that is really kind of what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we cut to Colin Firth, who has some sort of fancy vacation house in, uh, we find out later that it's Marseille. Yeah, we find out really quickly that Colin Firth is rich as shit. Yeah. He's an author. Yeah, like all authors, you know, they're all rich Don't as shit. Don't you know from romantic <laughs> comedies that if you're an author, you have so much money. That's yeah. fair, yeah. At first I thought he was just like an architect or like he owned a pet hotel. <laughs> <laughs> he's kind of getting settled in at the vacation house and he's writing his novel or starting to write his new novel. And we cut to the prime minister. Natalie brings him files And he basically says to her, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable about us working together and I don't really know much about you. And so this is where 
she tells him where she lives. We find out that she's single because her boyfriend said that she was getting fat. Nobody wants to shag a girl whose thighs are like big tree trunks is what he said to her. I mean, I'm here to tell you. That is factually incorrect. <laughs> right. I'm a leg guy for sure. And I think it comes from the movie Goldeneye. With, you know that woman who would <laughs> yeah. kill people with uh, her thighs? Xenia yeah. on a top. <laughs> yeah. Played by Famke Jensen. Oh, yeah. Of faculty fame. Yeah. I have a painting of her in my <laughs> living room. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's very small, but yes. Mm-hmm. Is it of her crushing that man's ribcage with her legs while he was inside her? It is indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, really? Awesome. At this point, Hugh Grant basically says, well, I could just have your boyfriend murdered and it's a joke but she basically says thank you I'll think about it so potential serial killer number two yeah I I do love it he's like yeah think about it he's like do think about it (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) and then she closes the door he's clearly like he likes her and is struggling with it and he just says did you ever have this kind of problem and he turns to a painting of Margaret Thatcher (laughs) (laughs) and then he just says of course you did you saucy minx (laughs) (laughs) we (laughs) we cut back to Liam Neeson and his son they're basically they're bonding over him trying to help his son catch this girl's eye and kind of figuring out what they're gonna do about it then we cut to a tv interview with Billy Mack which is solid gold. <laughs> it is. Yes. Oh, Everything so he touches is amazing. Uh, it's so good. Uh, we find out that he's going up against a boy band called Blue. They have the other hot Christmas song this year. And he says that he's going to be giving away a personalized felt tip pen. Uh, <laughs> and you can write on it with anything. And so he's like drawing on their poster. Yes. And it just says, we've got little pricks, which is hilarious. <laughs> and they're like, hey, it's a family show. Yeah. And so he's like, oh, family show. Right. Hi, kids. Don't buy drugs. Become a pop star. So they give them to you for free. And they cut to commercial. <laughs> One of those TV presenters has a forehead that starts in the middle of his like noggin. It's like yes. way back here. It was amazing. It's behind his ear. But he looks fully 12 years old. Like, he looks like a 12-year-old with the worst receding hairline I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> he could have really used that felt tip pen to just kind of like... <laughs> yeah, fill that in. <laughs> fill that shit in. We get a title card that says, Three Weeks to Christmas... We see the art installation. It's called Christmas Uncovered, and it's nudes with like little Santa hats. Like the ones on the nipples are the funniest ones. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so funny. I was like, this cannot be art. But I guess it is. Well, and what's really funny is I guess it's Mark's art. Mark is a photographer. Yeah, it is Mark's art. There is a deleted scene. Is there? Yes. It apparently has it to be, I think that they were expecting it to be this great thing from this artist that they really loved, and they just bid for it. And then when it came in, it was just ridiculous. But they'd spent all this money for it, so they had to do it anyway. Uh, Which would have been a great bit of information to know. That is good information. Because for me, I was like, did he make these? Because he's like, they're not funny. They're art. And I'm like, dude, (laughs) there are Santa hats on nipples. They are funny. They might be both. But they're definitely (laughs) funny. Yeah. I am here for the camp of them being both. Yes, me too. But they're definitely funny. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to see someone like knitting a Santa hat that small like, what <laughs> no. are these for well and it looks like they photoshopped them on but they're at the exact right angle so yeah yep. I don't know but so he gets a phone call 
and uh, Juliet's on the other line. She wants to ask him a favor. We find out that the official wedding video that they ordered didn't turn out, so she wants to see if he has any footage from that day. Oh, yeah, because he was filming on his homemade camera. On his yes, little handy cam. Because he, yeah. he likes to make tapes. Yeah, mm. make a tape. Mm-hmm. And he tells her that he doesn't have the footage, that he got rid of it. He taped over it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. or whatever. And we cut to Laura Linney talking to one of her, I believe, other co-workers about how she thinks Rodrigo Santoro is too good for her and her cell goes off. It's like a two-second... Yeah. I fully forgot about that, but yeah. It's literally, it's a little tiny mini scene, which is kind of sad, uh, before we immediately cut over to Alan Rickman and his secretary, where she basically reveals that she's reserved an art gallery for the Christmas party with tons of dark corners for dark Ugh. deeds. Oh, and she like fully spreads her legs. Yes! She is sexually harassing him. Yeah. yeah. The only reason it doesn't get reported is because I guess he reciprocates, but this is wildly inappropriate. So inappropriate. She's a horrible person. Yes. And there are people like this who exist, and I hate very few people in the world. I hate people like this. Yeah, it, it's real rough, because she's just throwing herself at him. Now, granted, here's the thing. He also has a choice in this. He is yeah. also guilty. Absolutely. 100%. He's just as big a piece of shit. I don't like either of them, but no. she frustrates me so much. Mm-hmm. We cut to Colin Firth's vacation home where he meets his new housekeeper, Aurelia, uh, who can only speak Portuguese, and he's supposed to drive her home after work. And he's just trying and failing to speak Portuguese. <laughs> he's speaking nonsense. It's so cute. Here's my biggest problem with this movie. Wow, this scene? Yeah. <laughs> How does he know where she lives? I literally said the same thing when we were watching this movie. <laughs> I couldn't let it go. The lady who dropped her off probably said, this is where she lives. They didn't put it in there, but that's the only feasible we, thing. We need to, I need to see it to believe There's it. There's a lot of like, things we needed to see. <laughs> or she's just like pointing in the car. Yeah. yeah right. But- so yeah, it, it led to me just watching this movie. Like, does she like point like where he goes and like, what's this driving like? And, like I have no idea. I wasn't idea. in the scene because I was trying to think about what that would be like trying to give directions to someone who doesn't speak my language. It would be a nightmare, yeah. So we cut to the prime minister and the American president is there visiting, and it's Billy Billy Bob Bob Thornton. Thornton. Yes. And I just I just have in my notes, Billy Bob Thornton is president. What have we done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we would never make a television star or movie star a president page. We oh, would never no, we've do that. definitely done that twice. But yeah, <laughs> I, I was just more thinking of Billy Bob Thornton specifically. Like, did we all forget when he used to wear a vial of his wife's blood around his neck? And that wife was right? Angelina Jolie. Yes, and they would have sex in the limos before award ceremonies and then tell people on the red carpet about it. Yeah, Uh, that Billy Bob Thornton. Not as bad as modern politics. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was a much more innocent time, Mikey. You're right. He's not fomenting insurrection, so I guess, sure. It'd be nice to have a president devoted to his wife again. (laughs) Well, this one's not, because as we see in this next scene, He creeps on Natalie. Yeah. Poor little Natalie. I wondered if this was a slight dig at Americans being into overweight women. And maybe that's just me reading into it. I think it's you reading into it. They fat shame so much in this movie that I was like, oh, of course the American president's into her. 
and it's like a given. Uh, but I huh. think that might just be because there's so much fat shaming in this movie that I assumed that's what they yeah. were saying. I didn't even think about that, but that's a fair point. I didn't yeah. think about it because Natalie is not at all big. She's not, man. So, like, I don't see it that way. But, but they are calling her that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's my thing is, like, I don't see her th that way. I think she's just an average size girl, and it doesn't really matter what size you are, but they make such a point oh my God, of yes. calling her fat yep. and calling her chubby and talking about how the Americans are pushy bullies that I was like, I think maybe this is kind of a dig at America, maybe? I don't yeah. know. Or if it's just, it gets subtly lumped in because there's so much of that already in the film. Hugh Grant also was like, what? When they called her chubby. So he didn't see her as chubby at all. Yeah. So it can also be like a difference between what the media and advertisements and that type of society says is attractive versus what people actually find attractive. Right. It was a strange scene. I mean, I think they just put it in to make Billy Bob seem creepy. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> no need. Yeah. <laughs> it was already yeah. there. Exactly. Mission accomplished. But it also created a conflict, like something to create some sort of further conflict between the prime minister and Natalie. Right. Which we needed because it had just gotten to where it's just like, okay, yeah. he likes her. He's not doing anything about it. He likes her. He's not doing anything about he it. He so still doesn't really do anything about it. No, yeah. he does, guys. He does something about it. He fires her. Yeah, which, so fuck her <laughs> career because he can't handle his emotions. Yes, because yeah. he can't have an adult conversation. This man is prime minister. Yeah. Well, she was reassigned. She wasn't fine. Yeah. I guess that's fair, but yeah. So at this point, we're in the meeting with the president and the prime minister, and they're arguing about policies moving forward. Yeah. This next scene is where he tries to kiss Natalie. And literally right after that is the press conference where the prime minister is basically like, no offense, but we're going to kind of fight with you a little bit. The president is like strong arming him. Yeah. And the prime minister, uh, Hugh Grant, just left to go get a folder because he wanted to talk about some other project. And when he comes back, he's trying to kiss Natalie, like you were saying. So they right. immediately go to this press conference and he's like, fully pissed off at the president so he's like the president saying things like oh it's been a great trip it's great to cement our very special friendship and hugh grant's like motherfucker we ain't friends i yeah. know you <laughs> like, fuck you and the click you claim yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> i loved it so we cut to uh, everyone's kind of congratulating hugh grant because like no one's ever stood up to america like that apparently yeah. And this is where we find out that Emma Thompson is his sister and that Alan Rickman is her husband. This is the first yeah. time we kind of get all of those connections established. And she's making a lobster head for mm. the school concert and listening to Joni Mitchell, Johnny Mitchell, and debating what gifts to give their daughter's friend. And they are both dressed in questionable <laughs> outfits, I would say. For a doll, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. We cut back to Hugh Grant in the Prime Minister residence where he's playing Pointer Sisters. Yes. Great use of Pointer Sisters. Yes. He is just white dude dancing through this <laughs> yeah. entire house. Hugh Grant is doing what I would call his best impression of Todd at a wedding. And he tries to play it off. He gets caught and tries to play it off. Next, we get a title card that says two weeks to Christmas. Yeah. Colin Firth is writing his novel and the housekeeper is cleaning up around him. He offers her a pastry and says, do you want this? And she says, no. And if you saw my sister, you wouldn't eat any more either, which Ugh. is fat shaming in this storyline. Literally yep. every storyline has it. Well, the, the next line, she fat shames him. Yeah, you're getting chubbier every day. 
Yeah. yeah. But also, she's fat shaming someone who's not even in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what mm-hmm. are we doing? I mean, but literally, I want you to think about this. So, Billy Mack only refers to his his manager yeah. as my fat manager. Yeah. Uh, a bunch of people have called Natalie chubby. Uh, we've called this girl fat. Emma Thompson has said that she feels fat. Like Pavarotti. Like Pavarotti, although I think that's actually in the next scene. Yeah. So, so far, the only the only ones that haven't had fat shaming are uh, the stand-ins, Colin, and... And Rowan Atkinson. <laughs> and, and Rowan Atkinson. Has Laura Linney's had any fat shaming in it? No, but, like, that means half the storylines have fat shaming in them. Yeah. At least, yeah. For no reason. None of it needs to be there. It doesn't drive the story at all. No. It just drives a narrative that we should all fit a certain mold, and if not, we're not worth something. Yeah, it's real fucked up. It's total BS. So she picks up his cup that was basically serving as, like, a uh, paperweight, and his whole book blows away. Yes. And they have to try and rescue the pages, but honestly, it's like 2002, use a computer. Yeah. Like, why is he using a typewriter? They're like, why don't you make copies? And I'm like, why don't you use a laptop? <laughs> like, laptops existed at this time. They were widespread. Yeah. That's not how real writers write, okay, guys? Oh, my God. You're not really a writer unless you're writing on your back patio that overlooks the lake at your vacation home uh, while you're writing on your old school typewriter. Yeah. Yeah. I have been paid to write things, and I own a typewriter that I have never touched. So... <laughs> He can get fucked. Use a computer. Back that shit up to the cloud. What are you doing? <laughs> Absolutely. Here's what I don't like about this scene, though. It's played sort of like this is when he notices that she's like beautiful and like, yeah. and she starts to sort of notice him that he's playful or whatever. But she is fully freaking out because she thinks she's going to lose her job because she caused his book to go into the water. Right. And so she's just like trying to get in the water. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And he's just like, oh, wow. She's real hot. Sometimes I do notice when a woman is beautiful, you know, when she gets naked in front of me. <laughs> yeah. I can. I cannot tell you if I lost half a book, I would be apoplectic. Like I, yeah. I would be so upset. We cut to Mark's house where he's watching uh, Bill Nye on the TV. Yeah, like giving more interviews. Kira Knightley shows up with uh, Banoffee pie, which like very strong choice for a yeah. pie that you're buying for somebody that you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like go with chocolate or something. But like <laughs> Banoffee pie is such a random choice. Well, I think she even sort of hints the fact that like he doesn't want it, and she's glad he doesn't want it because she wants it. Because she's going to eat it, yeah. But she basically ambushes him to see the video. Yeah. The way she kind of gets in is she's like, I know you're my husband's best friend, and I know you've never liked me, and I hope that I can change. I'm nice, and I really want us to be friends. Yeah. So she finds the tape just on his shelf. Well, yeah, because he had just used it. Yeah. (laughs) If you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, But we do find that it's mostly video of her. It's all video of her and slow pans past her husband to her. And extreme close ups. Yeah. So when he kills, he's going to do things to her eyes that make me uncomfortable. (laughs) Probably every crevice of her face. It's video taken by somebody who's fully obsessed with her. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty clear. Well, it's clear to her, too. She notices yeah, it. Yeah, she figures it out. She's yeah. just kind of like, uh... At first, she tries to play it off, and then she's like, oh, I need to leave because I'm about to get murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she actually does not respond that way. She does not respond yeah. like she should. 
No, no. Right. What she should do is get up and be like, okay, well, thanks. Got what I needed. Go tell her husband, your best friend is obsessed with me. This makes me really uncomfortable. Let's get a restraining order. Well, and instead, the friend runs away. Yeah. 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 He left a stranger at his house. It's yeah. a self-preservation thing, he said. Yeah. And as he's walking away and the scene ends, as he's like walking and turns the corner, if you look, as he's walking towards the camera, his fly is fully down. <laughs> We cut to the prime minister's office, and this is where Hugh Grant is asking them to kind of redistribute Natalie. But this is the scene where he basically is like, hey, you know, Natalie. And they're like, yeah, the chubby one with a giant ass. And you're just like, she is a normal sized person. I love his response to this, though. I love it. He's like, what? called her chubby yeah. <laughs> i just love that so much and hey quite a sizable ass is a plus i have found in my life yeah, yeah. so but this is basically where he i mean the, he says redistribute we don't know fully what happens but essentially i'm sure she just got reassigned to a different office yeah or something so uh we cut to liam neeson and he's looking at his wife's picture his son comes down the hallway uh and he's clearly sad because the girl that he has a crush on is going back to america and it's the end of his life as he knows it <laughs> so they watch titanic together which is not appropriate for his age i would say i would agree and also i think it's interesting because people call kate winslet fat all the time and it drives me nuts yeah yeah really? especially back then yeah. oh. she like now that she's older she's actually like a lot thinner than she used to be and she talks about that but they used to like when she was in titanic people called her fat all the time that's so the crazy. tabloids were brutal yes. to her and i would get so offended because back then she was one of the only like popular redheaded actresses that weren't stick thin yeah they, they were horrendous to her i will say that they probably watched the edited version they watched the tbs version <laughs> yeah so it could have been age appropriate is well what it's saying. actually not the tbs doesn't stand for turner broadcasting system it stands for tits before sink so like <laughs> we're, we're a different system over there. <laughs> they're european you know you know <laughs> It, but they get into it. Nail it's it. a shared thing that they like. Yeah, it's sort of a sweet moment about a weird movie. It's yeah, a sweet moment about a weird movie. But then he gives his son what I would say is really he tries to give him good advice and then goes back on it because he's like, hey, there's not just one person for everybody. And he's like, uh, there was only Kate for Leo and there was only you for mom. So this is it for me. And he's like, you're right. Let's figure it out. Instead of being like, whoa, 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 <laughs> no, whoa. No, 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 nope, 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 nope. Back up. Unhealthy view of life yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of pedestal right there yeah so we cut back to the prime minister's office where it's a new person with the tea uh we cut to colin firth who's packing christmas presents for his family because he's leaving and he drops off his housekeeper one last time and in their respective languages they're basically like i'll miss you and i'm sad that i'm leaving you yeah even though we've only seen them talk once and this is <laughs> one of those things in this movie where i was like yeah I'm sorry. They once they don't share a language. We didn't see multiple times of them hanging out. There is no reason for us to understand that they have any kind of relationship outside a very awkward employer employee relationship. Paige, if I learned anything from a Mikey story earlier in this episode, it's that sometimes <laughs> one conversation is all it takes. <laughs> uh, he gets into a car accident as he's trying to pull away because he's distracted and watching her. Yeah. 
And then we cut to Billy Mac's music video for his horrible Christmas song. Oh my God, it's I love so this. crazy. It's modeled after the Addicted to Love yes, video. Yes, it is. Except instead of black dresses, they're wearing red dresses. They're but Santa yes. dresses. <laughs> yes. So yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is nuts. Liam Neeson's son gets home after seeing the music video on his way home from school. He like stopped and saw it in a window. Yeah. And decides that to get the girl that he wants, he has to become a musician. And so he's going to learn to play the drums in a week and a half <laughs> where he'll be good enough to be in a concert. It makes no sense. <laughs> Stop tearing this apart. I like that. I like the kid story. As someone who has played drums professionally for a number of years, he could totally do it. You think so? Hell yeah. Okay. I'll take your word for it. He would have to practice a lot in that week. Which he does. What he plays is not difficult at all. And if you watch him in that scene, he's actually playing everything yeah. that the song is. So that kid, I mean, it may have taken him longer than a week, but that kid learned how to play that song. I was super impressed by that. Okay, then I stand corrected. Yeah. So Laura Linney puts up the saddest Christmas tree, and then we cut to their work party in that gallery. <laughs> <laughs> so it is... A bunch of co-workers surrounded by strange Christmas porn and the secretary <laughs> is laying it on thick. Uh, yes. With his wife in the room. In the room. I mean, now here's the, it's bad regardless. Like whether she's there or not, it's bad. Yeah. But the fact that she's like, I know your wife's here and can see Ugh. it and I don't care. I'm just yeah. like. A brazen hussy. Brazen hussy. <laughs> 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 and, and here's my thing is like, she is being inappropriate. Yes. Alan Rickman is her boss. Yeah. And I feel like at a certain point, it is up to him to be like, I feel uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Please stop. And because he doesn't, she keeps doing it. Yeah. Yeah. He is 100% just as much to blame as yes. her. I mean, if Alan Rickman was my boss, I'd get it. You going to wear that same dress, Mikey? <laughs> oh, yeah. Always. I'd, be, I'd show up to that party, just spread my legs and be like, Alan Rickman. Sempra. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that would kill him. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. You'd want to say Accio boss. <laughs> Accio dick. I'm brewing up a potion. <laughs> Let me see you back that Azkaban up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, okay, let's talk about the storyline. First off, is this a form of love in all its forms? Or is this just like a really sad tale they put into a bunch of feel-good romantic comedy stories? It is a different stage of love, but I hate this story. I hate this story. Yeah. I hate this storyline. It gets no resolution, by the way. Right, they're like, do you want to watch a marriage collapse in slow motion? Well, yep. I think, what's it, I think yeah. what it shows is her side. Being in love, being committed, being in a relationship, and seeing that start to fall apart and how that looks from the other side. It's not necessarily a love story. It's showing a side of love. Like, it's just one of the things that happen. I just feel like it doesn't belong in the movie. That's like, right. That's not what the movie's about. I don't think it does either. But just like the the thing with Laura Linney, it's that, I don't sad. think that belongs in the movie yeah. either. So, so these are the two like unresolved sad things and we don't let those turn out well, but we let the skeezy, you know, Colin character have an orgy with the hot American girls. Like why? Yeah. Yeah. Because he has an accent, Natalie. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to 
Hugh Grant kind of trudges around the house. He's clearly lonely. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut to Billy Mac on talk shows again. Oh, he's like laying down in his chair. Is it that one? Yes. Yes. I love this one because he fully says, if I win, I will play on Christmas Eve or whatever, fully naked. And then he gets up and, sh- and gives the presenter a preview. Yeah, he's like, do you mean that? And he says, do you want a preview? And flashes him his dick. You big foot. I loved it. Uh, so funny. That'll so never funny. hit number one. He says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my favorite is when the TV presenter just looks around his yeah. hip at the camera. It's like, we'll be back after. <laughs> like, just yeah. consummate professional. But he looks like he's mid-filating of Billy Mack. Yes. Yeah. We cut back to the party where Emma Thompson and Laura Linney are talking and Rodrigo Santoro comes over and asks Laura Linney to dance. And she's like, should I do it? And I'm like, what do you mean? Should you? Yes. Yes. What's wrong? Clearly your boss is fucking his secretary and they had a Christmas (laughs) porn party. So you dancing with your coworker is clearly going to be like a low level offense here. He drives her home. He comes inside. He tries to. Yeah, he doesn't quite get to that part. He tries to come inside, but they get interrupted (laughs) by uh, her brother twice. I mean, he comes into her house. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And she has that little mini mini (laughs) celebration, which is really cute, where she's just like, oh my God, it's happening. Oh, I love that. Well, she, and then when she comes back from around the corner, she goes, that's done. <laughs> All right, that's done. Uh, come upstairs in 10 seconds, and then she does the clothes in the chair trick. <laughs> Been there. And then she kisses the teddy bear and puts it under the bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know that life. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and they're making out. He's gorgeous. She looks great. And then her phone rings, and she answers it. That's a mistake. Yes. Time out. Let's talk about answering the phone during intimate times. Let's talk about boundaries. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about boundaries. Because unless I'm on call at work, I will not answer the phone during intimate moments. As as you shouldn't. So what I just heard is there are intimate moments going on while Mikey is on call. (laughs) (laughs) There was a time in my life where I had intimate moments. (laughs) Mikey, I'm going to say this. Uh, If. You were having an intimate moment with Rodrigo Santoro and he were on call. Don't answer the phone. I wouldn't. <laughs> that dude's a dreamboat and a half. Y'all are on your own. Yeah. It's not always life or death, is it, Mikey? But you never know. You never know. But you want them to think it during your intimate moments. Like, this could be someone's life. Hold on. <laughs> no, don't they're stop. Really, they're like, where's the schedule on the, on the shared drive? <laughs> so she's on the phone and she's basically like yeah i can't get the f- pope on the phone tonight uh i'll try for bon jovi i'll look into it and then hangs up which to me suggests clearly she is placating somebody's delusions yeah yes oh so, yeah. okay i want to talk about this yeah, yeah never yeah, play into someone's delusion it's yes. bad yes and setting boundaries with someone with psychosis is very difficult you do not want to one disagree with their delusion and you don't want to play into it so it's like a fine line but also He's in a facility. Yeah, he's in a facility. She doesn't have to answer the phone. No. This is definitely her issue where she needs therapy. Yeah. Because yes. it is not up to her to placate her brother's delusions every time he calls from a facility. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think when we see them interacting again later, my thoughts were she is actually preventing his care by answering those phone calls. Yeah. She yeah. needs to let the people who are caring for him do what they do best and 
take care of herself to a degree so that they can have a healthy relationship where she's not answering those phone calls. He's getting the help that he needs in a constructive way. And she is able to live her life in a productive and healthy way so that she can be there for him when he actually does need her. Well, she obviously has really bad self-esteem problems, like saying that he's so much better than her or something like that. And so I think she uses her brother as a way to avoid stepping out there and doing anything because I think it's easier for her to do that than to take chances than to take chances. Absolutely. Yeah therapy perspective i would say her role as a caregiver makes her feel important yeah and are wanted and needed which she she gets all of those needs met by that one relationship and not in a healthy way so she has all these other unhealthy relationships and boundaries with because of that unhealthy relationship but i mean nami is an organization that'll help you with this it's the national alliance mentally ill and they have like a group that teaches you boundaries with your family member who has a mental health disorder Oh, cool. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank that you for sharing awesome. that, Thank Mikey. You. I do like the way he reacts the first time she answers the phone. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, everyone has a complicated situation. Really it's sweet. fine. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, but should we sort of, you know, get back to boning? Well, and that's yeah. when she should be like, okay, this is the perfect man. I am not picking up that phone when it rings again. But that's not what happens. He actually says, because it rings, and he says, will answering it make him better? Yeah. And she says, no. Yeah. And he says, then don't answer it. Which is a, yep. kind of a harsh way to say it, but he's giving her the right advice. Yeah. It is. He says it the second time, right? Not yes, the, yes, second, the time. second time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would have waited again because you're there already. You might yeah. as well just, you know, if you come that far. You yeah. Might as well. yeah, if you're in her room and you're both pretty much naked, it's going to happen, right, Natalie? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when yeah. she, and he, I think he kind of does because he like, he, he asks her not to answer it, but he doesn't leave yet. He leaves after the phone call. So, so this second phone call happens. He waits waits through the second phone call and she basically is like please don't we'll find the answer i'm not busy i'll come right over and then oh, that's he leaves right. and she has to and so that it never happens but he waited through that second phone call to see if it's going to be a false alarm like the first one yeah. and no now she's going over there so their night ends that's it could have been a good night i know this next scene is where we get emma thompson talking about how she feels fat um, and I do like Alan Rickman's response to her because she just says she feels like she dresses like Pavarotti. And he says, well, I always thought Pavarotti dressed very well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do feel like Alan Rickman loves his wife. How can you love someone and do that? That's what I want to know. Yeah. I do not think it's unreasonable for people to be attracted to different people at different points in their lives. I think the defining line is what you do with that information everyone's going to notice somebody on the street or whatever. The question is when push comes to shove and when you have choices as to whether or not you're going to invest emotionally in someone that could take you away from the person that you truly love and care about and have pledged to be with, that's when it comes into it. Yeah, these exactly are the conversations I want to have when watching my Christmas romantic comedy. (laughs) See, thank you. I think dancing with her was dangerous. I think Emma Thompson kind of warns him about that. I think he's kind of towing the line. I think buying that necklace definitively crosses a line. Yeah. But I also think that all the signs were there ahead of time and he knew it and didn't do anything about it. 
I feel like he knew it. I don't think Emma Thompson knew until the dancing. No, oh, yeah. I don't think Emma Thompson, obviously she doesn't do anything wrong in this whole movie. She's amazing in this whole movie. But I don't think there was any signs until she saw him dancing with her. Not for her, but for yeah. him, for sure. Agreed. And he entertained it way too much. Yeah, I don't think it matters when Emma Thompson finds out. Because right. it's no. going to hurt her whenever she finds out. Yeah. yeah. I think for him, he knows this is happening Mia, the secretary, has made her intentions very clear. Yeah. And he, with those intentions in mind, has not rebuffed her. So we cut to Laura Linney seeing her brother, and she's asking him if he's been watching stuff on TV. Uh, he tells her that the nurses are trying to kill him, and he says no one's trying to kill her, and he swings at her. Yeah, he tries to hit her. Yeah. So this would be the end of their visit, and he would get probably an injection at this point and, like, go into isolation? Is that what happens, Mikey? I, I honestly do not know. Yeah. I'm going to speak in generalizations here. Generally, if you attack another person in a facility, you are not safe to be, like, left in the room like you have to like get an emergency med and then like be safe like we have to keep everybody safe so, so you know it could be just a medication could be a safe room could be a both so what you're saying is someone wouldn't run in the room stop him and then leave them uh, together again yeah yeah that did seem like, insane I, the whole time i was like oh god why is this movie getting on my nerves now because i was like he just comes in he's like oh you sure you're cool he, i know he tried to backhand you with his fist yeah <laughs> but at, at this point i just have in my notes she needs to set clear boundaries and let the nurses and doctors do what they need to do she needs yeah. to get out of their way again a conversation i don't want to have watching my christmas romantic comedy <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to emma thompson is not asleep and clearly upset she clearly yeah. already kind of suspects something here yeah uh we cut to alan rickman at work the next day where he's leaving and tells mia that he's going christmas shopping and she says well, are you going to get me anything and he's like well i hadn't thought about it okay and this is where we find out that laura linney didn't come in because she was with her brother that night and alan rickman leaves but then he calls mia and basically is like okay what do you want in exchange for what the implication being i'm buying you a christmas gift and we're having an affair like he it's quid pro quo in this yeah. scene was real gross. Horrible. Oh, I didn't I didn't catch that. Yeah. I didn't catch the part where he asked in exchange for what. It just seemed like he was like, well, what do you want? Well, he, he, said, he said, what, what do, do you need? need? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What do I you don't need? want something I need. I want something I want. I want something want. I want. Yeah. Something pretty. And then he clearly does not know what pretty is because well, yeah. he well, picks the ugliest necklace ever. But the most important part is the sentence after that where he says, and what do I get out of this? And she says, I already told you you could have everything. Gross. Especially because he hangs up the phone and immediately meets Emma Thompson to go shopping together. This is like my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> These are like the things I fear most in life. Well, if she's already going to give you everything, why buy her a necklace? <laughs> I don't know if that's really the question that needs to be asked when this scene. Yeah. But uh, so he meets Emma Thompson to go shopping. She leaves him alone for literally a few minutes and he picks out a hideous necklace and has Mr. Bean try to gift wrap it <laughs> and he's taking forever. It's like a scoop it's of so flare. It's like the best. a sprig of lavender. It's like He's a like crushing thing. the lavender in his hand and then smelling his fingers. <laughs> so this is the first of two times in this movie where he fortuitously appears to delay someone to a story point. Mm. Which yes. made me wonder if he's a Christmas ghost. 
He's a Christmas angel. Yeah. <laughs> because he delays it long enough that Emma Thompson catches him. Mm-hmm. And then later he delays the plane long enough for the kid to get on. Yeah. So he's yeah. a Christmas ghost. He's mm. the ghost of Christmas delays. <laughs> the ghost of Christmas delays. If there's a ghost of Christmas delays, is there a ghost of Christmas lays? Yeah. Or relays. Is. Relays. That's where you get back together with your ex. <laughs> it's a mistake so we we get a title card this is one week to christmas colin shows up at his friend's house and by the way at this point the movie has not seen or spoken to either of these sets of characters in over an hour oh my god <laughs> to the point where i'm like did this movie forget that these storylines were happening we have not seen these characters in a Full hour. It's nuts. There are no main characters in this movie. There are only characters. Oh, God. And <laughs> and some of them get neglected for huge sections of the movie. Yeah. We cut to Liam Neeson's house where the little kid's learning to drum. And then we cut to Emma Thompson who finds the jewelry box and finds the necklace. Yeah. Sits through a preview in her living room of her kids acting out the nativity as lobsters. <laughs> then we cut to the most unrealistic thing in this entire movie which is Colin Firth learning Portuguese in a week. Yeah. <laughs> in a week, he manages to speak conversational Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> so Emma Thompson finds what she thinks is the jewelry box under the tree, uh, but it is not. Fuck, this scene gets me, man. It's I so know. rough. And Colin flies to America. He arrives in Milwaukee. Uh, he goes to a bar, an average American bar, where he orders a Budweiser, please, and literally meets three models who all love his accent. And they're sitting around him at a booth being like, what is this called? Straw, straw. What is this called? Table, table. Oh, that's, I guess that one's the kind of the same. (laughs) Yeah. But if I learned anything from a Mikey story earlier in this episode, Paige, that really works. Yeah. Look, I am just saying, (laughs) sometimes... Sometimes miracles do happen. (laughs) (laughs) So they ask where he's staying and he's like, well, I figured I would just find a motel. And they're like, well, you should stay with us, but we've only got one bed and we can't afford pajamas. So we'll all be naked. And there's a fourth one. Who's the hot one? This is how I know he's fully just dying. (laughs) Bleeding out in the back of an ambulance. Because it's basically a giant orgy is what we find out. Yes. We cut back to Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson's house where they're going to open one present on Christmas Eve and Emma Thompson picks the one that she thinks is the jewelry, but it's a Joni Mitchell CD, which I will say is a... a It's a thoughtful gift. It is a thoughtful gift, but it's not the hideous necklace. Yes. I also have a question. If they're only picking out one gift, how does she know that the other gift isn't under the tree? I would imagine because that it's the only gift in that shape under the tree. Yeah. Okay. We yeah, also know exactly. because when she grabs that gift, he does sort of allude to the fact that there's one more gift under there, but it's the scarf I normally get you sort of a thing. Right. Oh. She opens it, realizes it's not the necklace, and she has oh. every right to be both sad and furious because at this point, she's put all the pieces together. She has mm-hmm. figured it out. Yeah. She knows who got that necklace, too. Like, There's too many scenes in this movie 
of her going to have a hidden cry. I, yes. I don't like that. I don't like it. It it's makes so, me sad. So it's so sad. it's just, but it's so realistic too. Like especially having kids and stuff like that, and you don't want them to see what's going on. And yeah, she doesn't want to ruin Christmas for them. Again, something I don't want in my Christmas romantic. <laughs> <comedy>. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, so Liam Neeson and his son are hanging out. He he basically says, "I haven't made my move because people only get together right at the very end, just like romantic movies." And then the stepson asks how Liam Neeson love life is going which I actually think is very very sweet that he recognizes like hey you're also gonna move on he's like yeah mom died four weeks ago why are you still not dating I know right, right? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was weird yeah so he basically says I'm a done deal I'm not really gonna date anybody unless Claudia Schiffer shows up we cut to a uh, TV where Billy Mac won and has the number one Christmas song <laughs> insane and and gets a call from Elton where he's going to go to Elton John's Christmas party and it's going to be a good Christmas. But the indication is that his manager is going to go home and be alone. Yeah. We cut to Judy and Jack who are on a date. Uh, he chickens out initially and then she kisses him, which this is why you want them to be porn actors who then have to right? learn to, you know, be in a relationship emotionally and chicken out and be shy that way. Because that's essentially we're getting like a half assed version of that where they've fully seen each other naked and been all up on each other. But then they're timid about kissing and it's very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of this, the resolution, quote unquote, that we get for them, which is not really much of a resolution at all. But sure. Well, no, she, at first she, she comes back out. And she's like, all I want for Christmas is you. And then shuts the door. Yeah. And then he dances off the door, which is cute. But also finishing a date with saying all I want for Christmas is you is a bold, weird choice. It is, especially if you're not going to invite somebody in. Yeah. Right. All I want for Christmas is you. But next Christmas, I, I got plans this Christmas. Next Christmas, <laughs> next. I'm scheduling Christmas. you in. It's penciled. It's penciled in. So Colin Firth shows up at his family's house with a, like armfuls of presents, drops them off, and leaves because he's going to find Aurelia because he apparently learned Portuguese in a week yeah. and a half. Laura Linney is alone working late in the office. Carl says goodnight. She says Merry Christmas. Uh, he leaves. She answers the phone and sobs. So it's bad for both of them. It's yep, not yep. good. Hugh Grant goes through a pile of Christmas cards and finds one from Natalie. Liam Neeson and his son make their way to the Christmas concert. Uh, Laura Linney and her brother hug it out because apparently that's supposed to be the resolution we get for that story. I, but I, know, I was like, yeah. oh, no, it's nothing. Kira Knightley and her husband are at home. She hears a knock at the door and it's Ugh. Mark with cue cards. And he proceeds to give her like a cue card slideshow that is both obsessive and creepy. And mm -hmm. mind you, we haven't seen them talk or hang out so like she saw that video like three weeks ago and hasn't heard from him and then he just shows up and is like by the way I love you just sit with that information bye and honestly that last card could have said and now I must kill you yeah. and I would have been like this makes sense <laughs> I yeah well and she rushes out into the snow and kisses him Ugh. Yes. which I'm like what are you doing that's not cool that's a no. boundary crossed oh yeah that's cheating Paige that's a yeah. boundary it's bad and then he's like great enough enough now which I'm like so that's it that it, uh, it ends the most infuriating part of this scene is the fact that her and her husband are sitting around watching TV fully dressed in jeans and nice shirts and stuff which is so bizarre uh, Todd does that all the time I knew and I agree up. that it is bizarre no I, I, I Todd is different when it comes to clothes he's just I, different I mean, in general 
Thank you. Well, I, <laughs> I, I would you. say. Yeah, I mean, I know that those jeans aren't the only pair of pants he's wearing at the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so we cut to Billy Mac's manager's apartment and he shows up and is basically like, You've been with me through bad times and good times. You're the love of my life. And we've had a wonderful <laughs> life. Let's get pissed and watch porn. <laughs> Which, okay. And this conversation goes on for like five minutes. And it's the most in-depth talk about feelings of the whole movie. Yes. And it's between yes, yes, two yes. men. I actually sort of like this scene. I love scene. it. Yeah. No, this is why this is the best storyline in this movie. Yeah. It truly is bromantic comedy. It's, it's like yeah. how I love Mikey. Like, I fully love Mikey. It's not romantic, but like I would do anything for that dude. I drove him to the hospital when he was too sick to drive. <laughs> I swiped right on her on Bumble the other day. Oh my God. Oh Mikey. my God, <laughs> Mikey. Okay, so just to give context, <laughs> the reason he said that was because it was that trip to the hospital where he had the OR nurse that he had just ghosted like two weeks before then. On New Year's Day. Oh. Remember because she got mad New Year's Eve? Remember we all hung out New Year's Eve yes. and she wanted to come? And I was like, we just met yesterday. Yeah. And we all followed her on Instagram. <laughs> I think I still <laughs> follow her. <laughs> I th yeah, her name is Name Redacted. Check her out. Shut up! <laughs> uh, <laughs> guys. <laughs> Poor thing's going to get a million follows. Like, why were you mean to Mikey? She wasn't. She just existed. She was not. She no, was totally Mikey was not mean. mean to I her. was mean. I will own this that I, I learned some hard lessons because when you have pneumonia, you don't want to see a woman you hurt show up as the person who's supposed to help you. <laughs> so we cut from the perfect bromance in this movie to Hugh Grant, who's reading the card that he got from Natalie, where she apologizes for being sexually harassed by the president. I know that's insane, right? It's crazy. Uh, and she signs it, your Natalie, which he takes to me like, oh, my God, she's into me, too. So Pointer Sisters plays. They drive out to the street that she said she lives on, but they don't have a street number. So they go door to door. So first, it's an old lady. Second, it's a little group of little girls that want him to sing carols. In oh, which that we find out that his, his like bodyguard is like a perfect Woodfin harmony. Was, 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 was. Oh, my God. It's so good. <laughs> his face was so great. I love and it. And then the next one is Mia which is wild, which we find out that Mia's home alone that night, which is kind of suggests that maybe Alan Rickman blew her off. But we don't know. And then we find out that Natalie lives next door. And yes. so the very next, the next door, they open it and she's swearing like a sailor, which just makes me love her even <laughs> I more. I love her so Where much. Where the fuck yeah. is my fucking coat? Yeah. Where's my fucking coat? Those accents, man. It's great. What's <laughs> really funny is at this point, I looked at the bottom, like the little ticker on the movie and I was like, there's still a half hour of this movie left. Yeah. What could possibly else need to happen that like, what else could we resolve in this stupid movie? So we go, to the, we go to the Christmas concert. He talks him into letting him kind of drive them there with Natalie. This is where they call her Plumpy. Yeah. Uh, and we reveal yeah. that her mom had to make an octopus costume. And she just says, eight is a lot of legs, David. Which is <laughs> I love that so much. And I love when they're going to the school. He's sitting on one side of the car. The octopus is in between them. And then Natalie's on the other side. I love that yes. so much. They basically are talking over the octopus where he's like, thank you for the Christmas card. And she says, I'm so sorry about that day. And I'm like, again, you were harassed. You have yeah. no need to apologize. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? You didn't do it. But 
basically they get to the play. He doesn't want to come in. She says, come in. We'll watch it from backstage, essentially. Yeah. Colin Firth, meanwhile, arrives in Marseille. And we cut back to the concert where Emma Thompson arrives with her kids and runs into Natalie and Hugh Grant, which is where Natalie meets Emma Thompson because it's Hugh Grant's sister. It was this whole yeah. thing. And this is where my head cannon comes in because this is where Emma Thompson says, you're just his type, which yeah. to yeah. me means because he's the one who's questioning against everybody else whether or not she's chubby everyone else on earth calls her chubby he thinks she's just right and all i'm saying is that if we had this as its own movie or at least just a more fleshed out version of this in this movie you could a hundred percent make it a story point that he just specifically likes bigger girls and it's time to normalize it like yeah. this oh, is a yeah. perfect opportunity to be like hey People like different things, and he happens to like big girls, and good for them both. Celebrate it. People are going to be dicks about it, and fuck those people. They're wrong. And Absolutely. instead, we just get one throwaway line about it, and that's it. Yeah. Their storyline deserves the whole movie. It does. It does. It, and again, it. if it's them and the bromance, that's a great movie. That is a great movie. <laughs> we cut to sections of this Christmas concert that has a King Spider-Man and yeah. lobsters and a whale and an octopus. <laughs> In the nativity? <laughs> and I'm just like, what is this? And they're singing Catch a Falling Star. Yeah. It's a Church of England kind of stuff. You guys yeah, would guys. understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Spider-Man is definitely Episcopalian. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Anglican, though. The whole ceremony is very, very Anglican. Very Anglican. Yeah. Uh, we cut to the next section of the concert, which is the one where uh, Liam Neeson's son is playing. And Joanna is singing. And she's like, future Beyonce. Oh, yeah. At this, I was like, who is she? Because this is 17 years old. She's clearly an adult at this point. Does she have an album out? Like, what's going on? <laughs> so Hugh Grant and Natalie duck away, but there's still 20 minutes left in this movie. And the curtain <laughs> opens and everyone sees them making out and they smile and bow and wave. And the concert ends. Emma Thompson's talking to the other school moms and she kind of gets Alan Rickman alone. And she just says, if you were in my position, what would you do? She tells him that she found the necklace and she's like, should I stay with you or should I leave? Which to me is I'm kind of like good for her for immediately bringing up it up and addressing it and just being like, yeah, I found this honesty. What are we going to do about this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think she picked a weird time, but I think I like all the props in the world for doing it. Uh, and he basically is just like, I'm a fool. And she's like, well, you made a fool out of me too. Like, how dare yeah. you? But that's yeah. all we get. We don't get any other resolution for them at all. I don't really mind where she brings it up. Like, I was like, good for her. It's on her mind. She, you know, yeah. she needs to yeah. talk about it. Whatever. She can pick the venue. Fuck him. Yeah, agreed. Um, We cut to Liam Neeson where Joanna, I guess, didn't notice his son on the drums. And we find out that they're flying out that night. And I'm like, who books a flight on Christmas? Like, what? We must go to America now. Right now, after the concert. It's ridiculous. Uh, but this is the first time that his son calls him dad instead of his name which is very sweet yeah and as they're running through the halls to try and get out to get to the airport they run into another mom who is 
Claudia Schiffer. Schiffer. Like real life Claudia Schiffer. Yeah. Real life Claudia Schiffer who introduces herself as Carol and he says, I hope we meet again. And she says, I'll make sure we do. Basically implying that they would eventually end up together probably. They follow them to the airport. Meanwhile, Colin Firth shows up at Aurelia's house and proposes marriage to her dad who's like this daughter and we meet Aurelia's sister who they just relentlessly fat shame for the rest of this movie yeah where they call her Miss Dunkin Donut 2003 like it's this whole thing and and again how would they even know about Dunkin Donuts that's I don't it's nonsense um, but they basically traipse through the town to Aurelia's job, gathering people as they go. Yeah. And as they gather people, the story changes where they're like, he wants to sell her as a slave. He wants to kill Aurelia. It's this whole thing. <laughs> when they get to he wants to kill Aurelia, the other boy goes, cool. Cool. <laughs> like, that is not what you say. Mr. Bean shows up as a Christmas ghost in the airport and delays the gate agent long enough that the little boy can run through security. So yeah. he's now a terrorist. Yes. <laughs> he's a love he's terrorist. A Funny you mentioned love terrorist, babe. That is Billy Mac's next single. <laughs> is love terrorist That's yeah really they're funny. boarding and he pulls like the graduate where he's behind the glass windows like joanna <laughs> also, he, for a little kid he really finds that gate really well in an airport oh I, yeah he does i'm an adult and need help sometimes it's amazing right? he runs to the gate and billy mac is on tv nude which distracts all the boarding gate agents and so he's able to run after her but he's being chased fully catch me if you can style through the gate by yeah. some security guys so like you know he is serving four years in like some juvie detention place after no this. they're definitely gonna cavity so. search him this is post 9-11 so yes. only by yeah. two years too but he's a kid he's a child he could have dynamite in his backpack <laughs> but he didn't. so he calls after her he's like joanna and she's like sam and he says oh, i thought you didn't know my name and basically it's enough to know that she knows his name so he goes back or she kisses him on the cheek and he goes back to his dad or rather is taken back to his dad by tsa yeah because this is england in america he would have gone to jail forever <laughs> as a terrorist at guantanamo but this is this is england so he's yeah, fine he's fine so they get to the restaurant where aurelia works and they talk to her boss and he's like, hey, you can't marry her. She's our best waitress. <laughs> Which is, the whole restaurant gets quiet. She sees him and he's badly speaks Portuguese in a very hilarious, badly conjugated yeah, way. I love it. So yeah, funny. Definitely done for comedic effect. Oh, yeah. So he basically offers, he's like, I just want to be with you. We could be here. You could come to England. Yeah, I'm rich as shit. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. I'm a writer. <laughs> her sister says definitely go for England <laughs> like yeah. this place is a dump what are you talking about then she also says say yes you skinny moron which again is just like more like slant fat shaming where it's like yep. kind of uh, and then we reveal that in a week and a half she learned bad English too yeah so we cut to one month later where Billy Mac is flying back I, I guess from a Christmas tour uh, with some model named Greta, but he meets up with his bro in the airport. Colin Firth meets up with Kira Knightley, which again, how does he know them? I don't know. It's never established. Alan Rickman flies back and he meets up with Emma Thompson, his kids, and they have a very cold reception when yeah. he gets mm -hmm. back. Joanna comes back from America 
and Claudia Schiffer and Liam Neeson are hanging out and Jack and Judy are engaged and just showed up at the airport for fun because they're not picking anybody up. No, they're not. And then Colin comes back with a bunch (laughs) of hot American chicks. And then the prime minister comes back and Natalie's there. Natalie fully jumps on him. That was cute. And then we get no resolution for Laura Linney. She's not even in the end of the movie. We get no resolution for Alan Rickman's story. And Keira Knightley and uh, Mark are just, I guess, going to pine after each other forever because they're hanging out in this scene as if it's totally normal. And we have no other information. And And that's that's the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think? Tell me, tell me, tell me. I watched this last night and like the mindset of this podcast and it made me strongly dislike this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to like I used to like Love Actually, but when I watched it like with a real critical eye, I was like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. It's mainly because of all the weird, sad storylines where it just makes you depressed watching it. So it really should be called not Love Actually, but like Actually Love and then like kind of a comma. Actually, love, not great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Paige, what do you think? I, I strongly disliked this the first time I saw it for, I would say, emotional reasons because the storyline with Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson rubbed me so badly the wrong way that I was just yeah. like, no, thank you. Watching it this time, I still really hate that storyline. But more than anything, I'm just frustrated by the writing of this movie. I just think it's written badly. And there are stories in it that I really like, but we just don't get enough of them. And mm-hmm. I feel like I want a story about the Prime Minister and Natalie. I want a story about Billy Mac. I could even go for a story about Liam Neeson and his kid. And the rest of it, I don't care if I ever see or hear from it again. The, I want the porn actors who are really timid to fall in love. I want, to, But I want to rewrite it the way you and I described, where there are truly yes. porn actors falling in love outside. Okay, would you would you write it with me as like a Hallmark movie where like there's no nudity or cussing or anything because they're like very straight edge outside of porn? Oh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so, Natalie, what do you think about it? I like some of the storylines a lot. I really like Hugh Grant yeah. in this. And I always identified with the Natalie character because her name's Natalie and people called her fat all the time when she wasn't so like I identify with her very strongly but there were always elements of this movie I didn't like I just kind of glossed over them and I didn't really pay attention to the reasons I didn't think that it was an amazing movie but I still like things about it I really fully love some of the stories in this hate some of them so like it is a hit or miss movie with that you cannot avoid the misses you know or you can sort of fast forward it I guess so do you have some fun facts for us I do because there's not a lot of fleshing out so it's difficult to do kind of math fun facts but I did find a list of some fun facts one of which confirmed one of my suspicions about the movie some of them are more fun than others but the actor who played Colin uh, actually returned his paycheck for the day that he filmed the scene with all the girls because he had too much fun and was willing to do it for free that's amazing the movie does end somewhat ambiguously for a couple different characters, as we mentioned. But the director and his wife, who have kind of worked together, actually have kind of come out after to reveal specifics about their stories. Oh, tell me more. They say that Alan Rickman definitely had an affair with his secretary, like full oh. affair, and that they stay together, but they're unhappy. Which I'm like, that's terrible. That's the worst Fuck possible you, man. outcome. I'm like, that's terrible. I know. That's a that's a ter- that's a crazy ending. That's a crazy ending. 
Um, Hugh Grant didn't want to do the dance scene. And <gasps> here's something really interesting. And I, I kept this a little bit of a secret to you guys. Uh, in the first draft, in the original draft of the script, Rowan Atkinson's character is supposed to be a Christmas angel. And the yes! Yes! Yeah. <laughs> and, yes! And the reason he takes so long wrapping that gift is because he's trying to prevent him from giving the gift. Oh, that's nice. amazing. And then he is specifically taking too long to allow Sam to go through. That's um, I, I can I can point out a Christmas angel man. I, <laughs> I know. Uh, fun fact: the actor who played Sam and Kira Knightley were both teenagers when they made this movie, but wow. she's playing what? an adult and he's playing a child. Isn't that crazy? He was a teenager. He was a teenager. So he was like little. thirteen, and she was like nineteen. But the lake where they lose all of his manuscript is only like 12 to 18 inches deep. So they had to like pretend to swim in it, but it's really not deep enough for them to oh, swim. Oh, that's <laughs> really funny. That's also why the water's so brown. If you yes. look at it, it's like super brown yeah, and gross. gross. Yeah. The actor who played Sam actually did learn how to play drums yeah. for the film. Also, and this made me kind of sad, they put Emma Thompson in a fat suit. For this movie I was wondering about that yeah not only did they fat shame her they specifically made her fat so that they could fat shame her oh man real real mess up originally the film featured 14 different love stories and no. it was oh my yes. god and these are the ones they chose so 14 cut down to 10 two of those additional ones had already been filmed including one about an African couple supporting each other through famine and one about a stern headmistress who was nursing her lesbian partner through cancer. And those are two of the ones who got cut. Like, those should also be their own movies. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see how one of them fits in England. There shouldn't be this many (laughs) stories in one movie. Uh. <laughs> it's a thousand and one Arabian Nights for weird, depressing English love stories. Uh, well, okay, so here I do have some resolution on that, but before we get to it, I just need you all to know that Bilbo Baggins wore a sock on his penis during those scenes. <laughs> I actually did hear yeah. that he was an honorary member of the Red Hot Chili Peppers, so that makes sense. Now. <laughs> uh, originally, in the very, very first draft, this was not. An ensemble film so it wasn't a bunch of stories it was Hugh Grant's story come on I know and then a second one a second movie that was Colin Firth's story and then he didn't like the way they were turning out so he just combined them and then added other stuff to them but I'm like I want Hugh Grant's story as its own movie that's the one that has the most in it and originally it wasn't meant to be a Christmas movie oh yeah it was just a regular movie and then when they combined everything they were like well everyone loves Christmas and those are our fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. You guys want to talk some box office? Let's do it. All right. What do you guys think the budget for this movie was? Take some guesses. This had to be expensive. Oh, yeah. I, I'm going to call this 30 mil. What do you guys think, Mikey? 22.5. Okay. So remember, this is 2003, guys. This yeah. production budget was $45 million. Holy oh, shit. God. Yeah. Oh, my that's God. Insane. Because that, that's sort of, it's probably close to 80 or $90 million in today's money. Well, it's just act. They would just, it would just be the actors, right? Majority of it, I think, would be the actors. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's just so many people in this. Yeah. So this came out November 7th, 2003, and it was six at the box office the weekend it came out. 
It was beat by The Matrix Revolutions. Elf was number two. Number three was Brother Bear. Number four was Scary Movie 3. Then Radio at number five. And Love Actually was at number six. Now, notable was the number of theaters it was in. The Matrix Revolutions that was number one that weekend was in 3,502 theaters. Love Actually that came in sixth was only in 576 theaters. Oh, wow. So its per theater average was almost as high as the Matrix Revolution. But it only made that weekend $6.8 million. Yikes. Well, and I mean, it's coming out against Elf. And Elf yeah. became Elf a like, megalith <laughs> like, Christmas classic. As well it should have. The next week it came out, it was in 1,177 theaters and made even more money its second weekend out. It made $8.7 million its second weekend out. It was still six at the box office, but because the theaters went up, so did its revenue. Anyway, I thought that that was interesting that they premiered in less theaters than they were in the second week. Yeah, it's interesting. It's weird, yeah, right? It was weird. Uh, it went on to make $59 million domestically, which is the U.S., even though this is a very yeah. U.K. movie. Uh, but because it was a very U.K. movie, its international box office take was much higher at $188.8 million. Damn, so this movie made a ton of money. It made a shitload of money, Paige. It made $248.2 million. Damn. What I don't understand is it's become like a Christmas classic. People love this movie. Oh, yeah. Do you think any of these people are still together? Uh, Let's go through them relationship by relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Jack and Judy, there's no way to tell. We literally don't know them well enough. Which ones are that ones? I don't know anybody's names. They're the porn stand-ins, Mikey. I have a theory about that one. Because he says, now I can finally, you know, get laid or whatever or have sex, which, you know, saying that they haven't yet and they probably will once they get married. And in my experience, you get married having not had sex. It ain't going to last. So, (laughs) Wait, you've been married before? You've been married before? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) We've heard about it here a lot. This is the first time he hasn't wanted to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) My parents are a case study for the opposite, where they've been married for 38 years. Yeah. Really? Yep. That's so sweet. Kira Knightley and Chiwetel Ejiofor. Absolutely not. His wife cheated on him. Nope. Yeah, I don't think they're together either. But I also don't think she's with Rick, so. No, not at all. No, her and Mark don't get together either, no. Uh, <laughs> Claudia Schiffer and Liam Neeson. I kind of think maybe they are. Maybe. I don't know. I yeah. think they're together. I think they're together. Uh, Joanna and Sam, not together because they're children. No, because um, they're 10. Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman, it says they're together, but I feel like as soon as the kids graduate from high school, they get divorced. I hope yeah. it doesn't take that long. But people live like that. People they do know. live like they that. They really do. Colin Firth and Aurelia. They're together. I think they. Yeah. I think maybe they're together. I'm being very lenient on the people that I thought were actually nice. Yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. So I think Hugh Grant and Natalie are together. I think Colin Firth and Aurelia are probably together. Billy Mack and his manager definitely. Oh, hell yeah. They're together. always together. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Of the people in this movie, who would you date? Oh. <laughs> I like Hugh Grant, and clearly yeah, yeah, he's yeah. into the thick yeah. bitches. I like Natalie. I like the Natalie character. Yeah. I would say Natalie or Laura Linney's character. I can't handle Laura Linney until she draws some boundaries. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's true, but hopefully she can. I mean. Well, her resolution was she didn't draw boundaries. So, yeah. Claudia Schiffer. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> she's a good mom, and she's gorgeous. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No, I've. 
totally forgot we do that. Well, while you look up reviews, even though we've done it on every podcast we've ever been on ever for the past two years, now twice a week, while you do that, I'll tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast, and that is simply to leave us a five-star text review, and we'll have Mikey read it. It'll be fun. Mike, you have a review for us to read? Oh, yeah. I got, yeah, I was just reading. I'm sorry. Nice. Is this one going to make you blush? I, I don't know. This one's from That Regular Bro. Oh, nice. And it says, a dash of familiarity with something dot, dot, dot. I can't see the full name of the review, but that's fine. It seemed like it was going in a positive direction, so we'll allow it. Was, it's, a, it's a five-star review, so it's, it's something great. Yeah. As an avid horror virgin listener. Oh, I thank you. I was so excited to hear a new podcast was going to bless our ears from this crew. Not a huge romantic comedy fan, but this podcast and its relaxed aura and appreciation of the genre has made me give it a shot and I love experiencing these films with the crew. Paige, Todd, and Mikey are so entertaining and fill every episode with hilarity. Oh, I thank you. Thank you for the new pod and please do a 13 going on 30 episode. Okay, <laughs> that regular bro, Mr. I don't watch romantic comedies yet comes in with kind of an obscure one. I mean, for a, for a guy, I would I would think. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's okay we to do it. own the fact that you like this movie's regular, bro. Yeah. I'm just going to say, I, I want you, I want to bring that to you. I mean, we, Mikey, on this podcast, you and I are the one that loves these movies. Paige is the one that doesn't. Yeah, Paige I really Paige destroys don't. everything I love on the well, movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, thank you so much for that review. That regular, bro. We appreciate it so much. And if you want to have your review run on the podcast, leave us that five-star review. So, Natalie, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Tell people where they can find more from you. I have a podcast called Get Happy, Be Fit. It takes a very body-positive approach to fitness. I struggled with my weight and my self-esteem my whole life, and... And uh, this podcast is kind of letting people in on how I got over that and found love for myself and my body and how that actually helped me meet my fitness goals from a place of love for my body and not hatred and shame. You can also follow me on Instagram at Natalie Renee Kirk. Well, awesome. So this week I made you guys watch... Love, actually, and thank you guys so much for sitting through it with me. And, Mikey, what are you making us watch next week? Okay, okay. For my pick this cut week, I want to pick a Netflix recent classic. Recent classic. <laughs> Todd, you have to know that Netflix is doing what Marvel did with superhero movies for their holiday Christmas yes. movies? I'm sorry. There's a holiday cinematic universe? Yes, and they're trying to Holy give Hallmark shit. a run for their fucking money, and it's great. Yes. Wow. So we will be watching The Night Before Christmas, a movie about a knight from the Middle Ages who time travels to meet Vanessa Hudgens and fall in love. Yep. There we go. <laughs> in modern day. And it's bonkers. I'm excited. <laughs> so your job this week is to get on Netflix, get wine drunk, and watch The Night Before Christmas. It's pretty terrible. It's going to be great. It is going to be great. I'm excited. So, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram, and we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn it's, it. It's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show, S-H-O, like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, Paige is at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok. 
except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. That's going to be it for us this week. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us to, to completion. <laughs> Laters, babies. You're my life now. <laughs> oh. All I want for Christmas is romance in the pod. Romance in the pod with Paige, Mikey, and Todd. Gee, if I could only have romance in the pod, then I could wish you Merry Christmas. Buy something nice for your mother, okay?